Hello, and welcome to the O&M Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry. And Ken O'Malley. Tonight is episode 31 of Complimentary Cinema. If you are new to the channel, Complimentary Cinema is a program where we review and discuss films that you can watch for free that are available on YouTube. Please be warned, we discuss these films in detail, so consider this a full spoiler alert. So uh, this was my turn to pick. Uh, we always uh, pick a film basically just by sight. We just scroll through the, the free YouTube library. And we saw Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. And this is a film that uh, I remember seeing at least part of when I was... Hello and welcome to the O&M Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry. And Ken O'Malley. Tonight is episode 31 of Complimentary Cinema. If you are new to the channel, Complimentary Cinema is a program where we review and discuss films that you can watch for free that are available on YouTube. Please be warned, we discuss these films in detail, so consider this a full spoiler alert. So uh, this was my turn to pick. Uh, we always uh, pick a film basically just by sight. We just scroll through the the free YouTube library. And we saw Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. And this is a film that uh, I remember seeing at least part of when I was a little bit, a very little kid on my dad's, you know, HBO or Skinamax or whatever. And uh, I just thought, you know, oh, hey, you know, that's a pretty funny movie, right? Yes. This was a movie I've heard the name of, but knew absolutely nothing about it. So that's what we reviewed tonight. Uh, so this was a, uh, What's the uh, year and uh, director on stats on this one? Yeah, this was a movie from 1989, uh, directed by Ted Ketchoff and written by Robert Klein. Um, it is also starring, uh, the main characters are Andrew McCarthy as Larry Wilson, Jonathan Silverman as Richard Parker. Um, those are our two protagonists, but also very much featuring um, Terry Kaiser as Bernie Lomax. And uh, Catherine Mary Stewart as Gwen Saunders. And Don Kalfa <laughs> as Polly. That's pretty much it. That's everyone of consequence. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of other smaller characters, but that's that's the main parts. So whenever, whenever we uh, review one of these films, we have to ask ourselves, does it fulfill three primary criteria? That criteria is, uh, is it well-written? Is it well-acted? And is it well-produced? We shall find out in the course of this conversation. Indeed. So, Ken, uh, lay the land for us on this one. So, this is a uh, comedy film set in the New York City in the late 80s. Our main characters are two kind of uh, young people in the business world they work for an insurance company and they're spending their free time their weekend trying to uh come up with their big breakthrough as far as uh like finding people who are scamming the company for money so that they can move up the corporate ladder and they do find a good piece of uh, information they find uh, somebody who had submitted multiple uh, life insurance claims that uh, overlapped after the person died and they bring that uh, information to their boss, Mr. Bernie Lomax, on Monday. And he uh, is very impressed and decides to invite them over for the weekend. 
and it's worth noting at this point that Bernie is very much, uh, seems like very much like a partier, live, lives a big life. You know, he's got a fancy car. Several fancy cars. All the women, you know, everything. He's got a boat. A man who absolutely wants for nothing. And our, our main two characters are kind of just schmucks. They're just, you know, they have nothing. They want, you know, something bigger for themselves. So they're, they're very driven. Well, one of them is very driven, and one of them is very scheming. Yeah, I guess that. he wants to live the life. He just doesn't want to do the work to get there. That's relatable, right? So uh, before they end up uh, at uh, Bernie's for the weekend, Bernie ends up uh, meeting with a couple of his associates at a uh, restaurant to discuss these two young men. Yeah, he he wants them killed. It, it turns out that... Uh, He's the one that's been scamming the books as far as collecting on multiple people's deaths. And uh, the the mob is, is running the business and they don't want to do a hit for him, but he talks them into it. He sure does. He tries to convince them to uh, rub off these two young men who were uh, being little scampers and digging up dirt, but they decide that it is in fact Bernie who is causing the mob too much trouble. So uh, on the day that uh, the two young men arrive to uh, Bernie's house, instead of them getting whacked, uh, Polly, played by Don Kalfa, he's the one who rubs out Bernie. And uh, from there, hijinks ensue. Many hijinks. The men show up. They uh, make themselves cozy. They soon discover, oh my God, Bernie is dead. They've got to call the police. They've got to do something about this. The situation has to be rectified as soon as possible. And then a beautiful big tittied blonde shows up to borrow some boat keys and talks about how all the great parties are at Bernie's every weekend. And this gets the, the young minds men, the young men's mind uh, turning. Yes. They, they notice immediately once people start showing up for this party at the house that uh, no one notices that Bernie is dead. They're all talking to him, you know, uh, complimenting him that one guy's trying to buy his car from him and no one realizes because they put sunglasses on him and he's just sitting on a couch. No one realizes he's dead. So they realize they have an opportunity to party and hang out still at this, at this place. And no one even notices that, that he is dead. And part of the, uh, the B plot to this film is one of the young men, Richard has been chasing after, uh, an intern at his work named Gwen played by Catherine Mary, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart. And he had a date with her the night before that he absolutely blew. And then her showing up to the party convinces him, well, wait a minute. Maybe uh, maybe this can work out in, in my favor. And it's worth noting that he blew the date because he lied to her, that he lived with his parents. And so she was upset with him for lying. So naturally, in that situation, what are you going to do? Lie even bigger. Yes. <laughs> so where do you go from here in, in in the discussion of the film? Well, like I said, it's it's a lot of a lot of hijinks. The the particulars aren't so important as far as you know. General comedic things happen. General funny scenarios. Um, Essentially, all, all turns out well in the end, but essentially, this is a movie about two stupid assholes. Yes. Taking advantage of the fact that this guy's dead. And just, on one hand, trying to do the best they can, 
just to like get out of the situation and then on the other hand just being young irresponsible you know people they have incredibly uh primal motives for everything that they do and everything too is kind of the way it's revealed where you know like first it's revealed that bernie's dead but they don't know why bernie's dead they just think that he's overdosed on the drugs you know or killed himself or whatever and so the a big part of the plot of the movie is just unveiling to them eventually then oh like bernie what didn't wasn't killed you know he was killed it wasn't Bernie was murdered. He didn't do it to himself. He didn't do it to himself. He was murdered. And in fact, the original people to be murdered were going to be them, which makes them very upset, of course. So this plot has developed, you know, there's funny things between, but that's the general plot is basically them figuring out. Once they figure out that they were the ones that originally had hit out on them, they are convinced that someone is out to get them. So that, that leads to a whole nother set of entertaining things. So let's, uh, but, but really what the movie is, is having fun in the Hamptons, showing all like this fun beach parties, going out on boats. It's really just a, a kind of a schlocky beach party film. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's critique this beach party film. Okay. So it's, it's set up as a comedy and it's not that funny. It's not like laugh out loud funny, for sure. At least not for me. It reminds me of that Norm MacDonald quote about Woody Allen. It's not funny, haha, like a Woody Allen film. It's funny, haha, like a Woody Allen marriage. Wow. And it's a little bit more of the latter because it's it's funny, but it's pretty cringy. It's just one of those like the yeah oh like everything that happens like oh these goofy guys up to the you know up to their antics, but there's nothing that uh, like some things like are kind of like funny because it's just related to the, this guy's dead and they keep bringing him around to different places and doing stuff, and yeah it's fun like it's it's not funny it's just kind of fun. At least the comedy in this film is situational, but it's very slapsticky, and not as. And it's not at Three Stooges level either. It's at it's at it's at a Saturday Night level of schlock. Okay, I guess that's fair. Saturday Night Live kind of schlock. I feel like the the concept, uh, is is supposed to be carrying the humor throughout the whole thing, and um, I got tired of just that being the humor. Like it was funny for a couple for a little while. And then it's like, all right, well, they're just going to use his body for another, like, now they're dragging him through the water. They dragged him through the water. They dragged him around town. They they put him in a sports car style golf cart. And, and part of the problem, too, with that is that they, they, they kept showing, like, foreshadowing things, I think. So there was never any surprise that Bernie was going to show up. Like, probably one of the best executed ones is when he gets tossed into the water or into the beach, and then the tide comes in and washes him out. Yeah, that, and then he shows up later when... And his body's washing up on shore when our main character's trying to make out with the girl right next to him. That was amusing. And he was going in and out with the tide. But even that was, it wasn't just like laugh out loud funny. It was just kind of like... It was sensible chuckle amusing. Yeah. So here, here's the other thing that, that kind of kills me, pun intended. 
by the next day, his body would have uh, set into rigor mortis and he would have been as stiff as a board. And at no point does this corpse lose its uh, limberness. Yeah, they just they kept it loose just, you know, for fun. Just so they could keep posing him and, and he kept doing... Like he was a life-size action figure. Um, uh, like a main other part of this B-plot is Polly, you know, kills him the first on the first try and gets off the island and everything's fine. But then they later, the the um, the girlfriend shows up. The girlfriend of the mob boss that d- decided to put the head out on Bernie because yeah. she was having an affair with Bernie. Right. One of the other henchmen shows up and sees that she showed up and is having sex with his corpse, not realizing he's dead. Which would insinuate rigor mortis had set in by now. Well, just for comedic effect. For comedic effect. So the word gets out, maybe Polly's slipping. Maybe Polly isn't as good of a of a hitman as we were led to believe. So he has to come back and do the job again. So all of these little things are like, yeah, it's humorous. Um, like it's a comedy, but it's not like you. I, it's all situational and you get it right away. It's like, okay. Every joke in the rest of the movie is going to be about him being dead and either the people think he's alive and they're trying to kill him still or they have to figure out what to do with this body they keep dragging around and, you know, people don't realize that he's dead. The, the pacing in this film is terrible. It takes uh, probably a good third to 40% of the movie just to get to the part where Bernie is actually dead. The amount of setup and build up to that is pretty incredible. Yeah. I didn't really know what was happening. Until the scene with the mob boss, I didn't really know what this movie was about or what what it was going to be. And it took a little while to get there. It took a little while to get there. Not that that's a bad thing, but it just feels really uneven overall. It feels like they they took too long in some spots and they kind of rushed some other things. So one of the things, uh, the problems I think, is that the, the main characters aren't that endearing. There's like, they're just too stupid to really feel sorry for it's not even that they're stupid it's that they're jerks they're stupid jerks it's the combination if they were just stupid you might feel bad for them if they were just jerks you might have more fun at their expense but they're stupid jerks so you never really know exactly how to feel about them and i think if uh if the guy playing larry had a little more charm i think the role might come off differently yeah the guy yeah so larry andrew mccarthy the entire film, I just wanted him to shut up because he had the most annoying voice. His voice was, it felt like nails on a chalkboard to me. It was kind of high pitched and kind of whiny and, oh man, eh. And it kind of had that thing going. That was a lot. And then, and then, and, oh God, what was the other guy's name? Silverman? Jonathan. Jonathan Silverman. Silverman. Perfectly fine actor. The entire time I was looking at him, it was it was dollar store David Schwimmer. Dollar store David Schwimmer is what Jonathan Silverman looks like, at least back in the late 80s. And he had such a pretty boy, soft, smooth face. And anytime you paired him with his love interest, Gwen, who just looked more mature and even a touch more masculine than him, it was kind of a just a funny little balance there. Maybe not the best casting choices. But yeah, whatever. I mean... I think for what the movie is, they did fine. Um, it's this is not 
we are not the target demographic for this movie. The target demographic for this film, I think, is 60 years old now. Well, yes. This is definitely a film that people, I think, would have found more funny 30 years ago as opposed to today. Well, and people that are a little bit younger. Sure. I'm just saying, this is like, this is a stupid teenager film. It is a stupid teenager film, but it's also kind of a boomer film a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's just... uh... I think what we find funny now is a little more, I don't know. So the, the thing that that is, the part, I guess the parts, it's not that all of that's bad. Um, there definitely is parts that's amusing because of just how ridiculous it is and how stupid it is. There's like several moments where it works. Uh, but I think that's, like I said, kind of ruined by the fact that you see it all coming and there's nothing else like they got as creative as they could with bringing a dead body around and doing different things with it. In the scenario of being on a uh, really beautiful beach house on an Island. And this house is amazing. The house is amazing. The house, the house deserves its own credit in the uh, film. As far as I'm concerned, it is definitely one of my favorite characters in this film. Yes. So let's talk about some of the performances in this film. We've touched a little bit on Andrew McCarthy and uh, Jonathan Silverman. Let's talk about uh, Gwen. Yeah. So Catherine Mary Stewart. She is a, a complimentary cinema alum. She was in the first movie we reviewed, Night of the Comet. Yes. I don't remember her character's name in that, but that was a, a zombie-esque film from 1984, which uh, is pretty terrible, but we enjoyed, as I recall. And, uh, God, who else? We also have, uh, well, Bernie. Yeah. There's Terry Bernie. Kaiser. Yeah. Terry Kaiser. I don't think I've seen him in anything before. Uh, he did really good at playing a, a ridiculous, uh, floppy dead corpse. I said the only reason this works, this movie works is because his, him, his character in the first part where he's alive is like super extra. And I, I really enjoyed it. He really sold it well. He really did. He, he played that really like surface level guy who's just always partying, like always, you know, uh, like you could see him being that guy that everyone keeps talking about through the rest of the film of the parties and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And when he's uh, just a corpse, he absolutely sells that he's just a dead body. And the, and the, the his facial expressions and... You know, just everything is perfect right on the nose. Definitely one of the high points of the film is definitely uh, his role in that. I mean, it takes a lot of skill to be have your body being flopped around and all that stuff and keep like, keep straight, make it look like he's dead. But then also everything, all of your limbs and your head and everything is in the correct place at all times. So I think that's actually pretty impressive. Some of the mob guys, uh, Polly. Yeah. What's Polly's name again? Uh, Don Calfa. Calfa. Okay, so so Don Calfa, who played Polly, uh, he was in Return of the Living Dead from 1984, which is a really great uh, kind of Halloween zombie movie that we should definitely watch sometime. I think you'd enjoy it. He plays a uh, a mortician in that film. Uh, so I knew him from something. I did not expect him to see black hair, but he definitely made a great uh, shamarmi hitman for the Italian mob. 
the guy who played the mob boss, he did great in his, in his brief little scene. And that pretty much is it. Everyone else just kind of comes and goes. It's uh, the... Uh, his dad, apparently, is the director. The mob boss? No, no, no. The, uh, Richard, the, the one of the two guys, the Jonathan Silverman. His dad, the one that's shirtless that uh, walks through the apartment. Yeah. That's the director. That's the director of this piece of yeah. shit? Wow, that's amazing. His cameo was to walk around in underwear with no shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. Yep. All right. Uh, let's talk about the most uh, useless or extraneous character. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, some of the side characters, are, they're not really extraneous. They're just at the party or. We have so many side characters in this film. They didn't really need the second hitman guy. Like there was the one that, that Don carried out the job, but then there was the other guy that was like looking through binoculars to like confirm that he was dead. Yeah, he, he seemed a little extra, but he did his role did facilitate in the main hitman coming back to finish the job. Thus more hijinks. But I was saying they could have found a way for it for that guy. Just like they did later on with the fairy to see for himself. Yeah. So they didn't really need that character. Didn't really need him. One really minor character that I enjoyed was the bratty little kid. Oh yeah. <laughs> he has, he has a couple of brief scenes. He just shows up and he's just a little shit like kids are. Yeah. Or kids can be rather. He he it turns out uh Bernie's on the on the beach, you know, he he got thrown off the deck at one point and this little kid found him and just started burying his body with sand. Like you do. And he was just a troublemaker about it. You know, it's like kiss my ass and he flips him off later on and Yeah. He, sh- he shows a up pop, a- pop gun cap gun. Yeah, shows up again just to be annoying. Great little kid. All right, let's uh soundtrack. It was generic 80s. You definitely got that generic 80s party thing going. They did have some music in the climactic scene with the uh Polly the Hitman and the uh the young men. Uh they had a really great uh, old school Sony tape deck. I'm a big fan of the the old what is now considered vintage hi-fi. So that that for me was a, a pleasant little moment. We got to hear some uh, some classical music and God, what else was playing? I don't know the songs exactly, but yeah, just a, it was all eighties. Uh, there was a lot of like kind of just kind of electronic background music, just dance music, eighties dance. Yeah. So overall, this film looms large in my in my mind because it made such an impression on me as a kid. So I remember seeing a little bit of it and thinking it was really funny and. Just the fact that it was always a movie that you saw at Blockbuster and places like that. It was always uh, a popular film to rent. And I just had this impression of it being this really classic, funny 80s movie. And even if you look at IMDb, it's got pretty mixed reviews and it hasn't aged that well. Yeah, I don't think it holds up. There's like the body, like I said, the body humor is decent. Um, You know, just it's, it's fun for a diversion. But it's certainly not, um, I mean, there's a number of other 80s movies with physical comedy that I would pick before this one. I would rate much higher. 
Yeah. I mean, when I, when I think of like good physical comedy, I think of stuff like Mr. Bean, where it's very subtle and more nuanced and not so schlocky and in your face like this film is. Another film we watched that did it very well was Clue. Oh, absolutely. Clue had some excellent body humor. It did, and it didn't linger on the one joke too long. The The main fault of this film, I think, is that it just has the one real gimmick. Is, oh, yeah, we got, this, we got this guy that is dead, and we're pretending he's not. Right. That ultimately is the whole... That's the whole thread of the film right there. And I think for what it is, it's fine. Like, I guess that's the that's my main takeaway is that for its time, for its audience, this movie was fine. Obviously, it was it was popular and successful. And uh it's just it's not it's not on the caliber with the classics, I think of the of the era as far as even just general comedy goes. Yeah, it just it just doesn't do it for me. I I I enjoyed it seeing it the once. I never, ever would watch this film again. No. It scares me that there are sequels that exist. And how far down in quality did those drop? Oh, I don't even know. Don't even know. They must. I mean, it must. It's got to be dreadful. There's at least one more. At least. Yeah. I don't even know how many they made. I haven't seen any of those, but I I definitely wouldn't now. If if this is where the bar is set. It's, it's, I can't limbo that low. I'd break my legs and my back. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed just, um, kind of the, the lay of the land at that time, you know, seeing some parts of New York there in the streets, of New York city on the roof and, uh, just out in the Hamptons and all that stuff. That part, those parts were great just to get the scenery and just a feel for that time. They really make uh, New York just feel like an absolute cesspool. Yeah. They, they achieved that very well. Well, to really make the, the the Hamptons just so nice. Well, because they talk about it the whole time they're there, complaining about how like they have no money. They, you know, they're the place the one guy's renting is tiny and filled with cockroaches, and you know every bad thing about living in a big city like that. I'm not gonna lie; it reminded me of neighborhoods in Portland. Yeah, there are a couple neighborhoods in Portland like that where the guy's got the girl out on that first date, and there's. You know, just just garbage, and there's garbage trucks, and everything's loud. Everything's loud and just irritating, and there's there's ugly people everywhere. It's like, I get it. So, did this film uh, meet the three primary criteria, Ken? Well, um, is it well written? Uh, I think for what it is, it is well enough written. It's well enough for for run it and forget it. It's okay. It's. If I hold it to the other, the standard of other dumb teenage movies, you know, comedy movies I've seen. The writing would have benefited from tighter editing and maybe recasting the two protagonists. Yeah. Honestly. I think think you're definitely right there. If you got like a generational, like really good actor in that role, really funny person, they may have taken it uh, a different direction. I mean, just just think of like Matthew Broderick and uh, what the hell's his name? The guy who played Cameron. Yes. Yes. And and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like those are two fantastic actors who made a fantastic pair. And you don't really have 
they're they're kind of shooting for a similar dynamic with these two guys, and they don't come close. Right, like they just don't come close. The buddies, you know, two different kind of personalities playing off each other. There, you've seen it before in other movies better, in many movies better. So yeah, that that really was the weak point. Was just yeah, tighter editing, recast those guys. Not that they're terrible actors, but they just they didn't bring it home on this one. They just didn't sell the like. Uh, I mean, the one guy's a little more like neurotic, and then the other guy's more like devil may care. But they didn't really sell it hard enough, I think. They sold it too hard in the beginning. I think. Yeah. They 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 oversold it, and then they just I. They overacted through most of this film. Is my my thing. Yeah. So so we're saying. Written, eh. Written, okay. Written, okay. It definitely needed better acting to bring the writing out more. Yeah, agreed. I think it was uneven acting. We could say that. that. Sloppy. All right. Parts were good, parts were bad. And then, of course, well-produced. Sure, they got this beautiful house. They got some great locations. Uh, definitely could afford a hell of a lot of people for this film. Everything looked pretty good. Now, I will say, as far as production, part of what makes a good comedy, too, though, is the way things are shot, the way things are. Um, I mean, obviously, they had a good location, good like the house and all that stuff was great. So that's very much part of it. But part of it is like the editing, which obviously we know there's too much. They didn't do enough editing here. The way they composed some shots didn't help with the comedy either. Like there's just a lot of times where we're just we're just focused, you know, looking at this these group of three or four people. It's a still shot, and we're just focused on them the whole time. There's no movement, you know. So like the writing, it's a eh, it's okay. I mean, they did good on the location, on the you know, there's a lot of good things that they did. Because you really felt like this was all New York, you know. This was, this was plausible as a place, you know. It's a mixed bag. The whole film is a mixed bag. All right, what's the uh, last criteria there? <laughs> we already, we already kind of touched on it. Well acted. Well acted. Yeah. No. Eh. Well, the, the guy who played Bernie did okay. Uh, Gwen, Gwen did pretty good. Polly was great. The two main jerks were okay. Yeah. Overall, the film was okay. Overall, it was okay. It could have been better. Ken, the real question is, would you recommend this film to anybody? I would not recommend this film. I would not recommend this film either. Uh, if you're at home drunk uh, late one night and have nothing better to do, sure, watch it. I wouldn't necessarily say that anybody spend the hour and 40 minutes to intentionally sit down and watch this, though. I mean, if you want to watch a movie about like uh, the, the funny hijinks that you would have with a dead guy in New York, then this is the movie for you. If if you want a weirdly specific thing like that, then yes, absolutely watch this. If film. you're not into that, then no. Amen. You heard it here. That's a wrap for tonight's episode here at the O and M Stockroom. We are your hosts, Brian McGarry and Ken O'Malley. If you enjoyed this segment of Complimentary Cinema, more episodes can be found at omstockroom.com along with links to our Patreon page and various streaming outlets. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with an all-new episode. (laughs) 